All right, lads and lasses, and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune of the Podcast, uh, the Southern Hemisphere's number one podcast for all things Newcastle United. Coming at you live, live, live via recording from the lucky country of Australia, where everyone and everything is trying to kill you one way or another. That's just the way it is down here. Uh, <laughs> today, I actually almost, uh, Demi, I'm joined by Demi today, and, and I almost got attacked by a, in fact, I did get attacked by a stink bug. It was crawling half me, half me up my chest, up my belly. And then um, was under my shirt, and um, I kind of thought, you know what, Mother Nature's trying to tell me something here, and it's probably not probably not very good. Like if I'm attracting stink bugs, it's not, not going to be much of a compliment, is what, it? What the hell's a stink bug? It's just some weird Queensland thing, mate. Don't worry about it. But um, yeah, if I had given it half a chance, it probably would rip my head off at some point. It's like a <laughs> further and further up my body. Um, <laughs> Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Chelsea game coming up at the weekend. Just a little preview on that and what we think the Newcastle team might be. Uh, we'll also do a little recap of what happened in the internationals with regards to our players and how much time they played. And uh, just in a second, we'll actually start off with that hilarious failed double vote um, from the, the Premier League, um, which was poorly disguised. This is an attack on Newcastle, I think a lot of people think. Not just us, a lot of people involved, but um, both those votes failed. We'll touch on that in just a moment. Um, I just wanted to shout out, uh, before we get started, a little shout out to uh, our Bobby. He's going through the rough period right now. He's doing a tough. Uh, Demi, I'm sure you'll, you'll join me in wishing him all the best. Um, send our love to him, uh, to his wife, to his dad, and to the rest of the family. Um, hopefully we'll see you on the podcast soon. Bobby, mate, look after yourself. And uh, yeah, if you like what we do, please give us a like and subscribe. So let's get into the first thing on the podcast today, Demi. It is the, I think, I think everyone was predicting this to kind of sail through. Every time I read something about this vote before it happened, it was like the subtext at the end or the, the you know, the little bit at the end, the last sentence would be the Premier League expects this to sail through or to accept, expects this to pass. So just as a recap, there were two votes that went on. Uh, the first one was the... Uh, ban on related party loan deals. It was a temporary ban just to cover January and let's be honest, Newcastle. Um, and it was, I think the idea was to give them a bit of time to come up with some proper legislation, if you like, some new rules that would then uh, presumably come in for the 24 season. There was that one. And then the other one was a tighter control over the amount of money that you can get through commercial deals, player sales, uh, with related parties. So, for example, if we wanted to sell somebody like ASM to Saudi Arabia, as we did, uh, it wasn't suitable enough just to get this market value kind of tick in the box. They actually wanted to tighten it up even further. And I think the suggestion was you have to go out and get like four different valuations of the same amount and then pick the one you want. Like as if anyone's got the time or the space to do anything as ridiculous as that. But anyway, just come to the one that really mattered to us because of our injury situation. Demi, what was your thoughts on the idea itself i suppose to start with and then the um i still think quite a surprising rejection of that from the from the premier league teams how did you how did you see all that well first of all the idea itself is is ridiculous because this has been going on for a very long time there's a lot of clubs not only in england but around europe and the world who have got let's call them sister clubs or they've got friendly deals with other agents, teams that loan players to each other all the time. I mean, let's not talk about what Wolves used to do with that Portuguese agent that have about 15 Portuguese players on their books. 
Watford used to be owned by, or maybe they're still, are, still owned by the Udinese owner. So they used to loan players back and forth from Italy to England. Man City used to do it with New York City with Frank Lampard. I mean, there's countless, countless times this has happened in the past with teams and their sister clubs loaning players or transferring players between each other. So as, as an idea, it's, in my eyes, it's it's ridiculous. And obviously we know why they were trying to bring it in because obviously PAF have endless money and they own four clubs in Saudi when all of a sudden Saudi has a lot better quality players now and, and some players could be looking to get back into Europe for the last six months of the season. So this was clearly just designed about our relationship with PIF and, and, and that. So that that's, that's my first thought. In terms of it not getting over the line, I think I was like you, I was probably a little bit surprised it didn't get passed because of the general vitriol you hear against us and against this ownership and against this whole regime. So you'd think a lot of Premier League clubs especially the the so-called big six wouldn't want us to get a leg up by getting some players on loan with from from the Saudi club so the fact that it it I mean it only it only failed by I think one vote in the end so it wasn't as if it was a slam dunk in our favor or in in the the no favor but it, it was it was interesting that it did it did fail I think the the talk was Sheffield United were ones who were yeah. a sweet vote late on and they obviously have their own Saudi ownership history, so that that potentially could have been the the swing vote that uh, that uh, tipped the scales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think there was any truth in the suggestion that Newcastle might go in for Ruben Neves? Obviously, that's the name that's just been punted around nonstop since this whole thing started. Dan Ashworth mentioned it. I think Eddie Howe sort of said, oh, "Look, I'll, if they're good enough, I'll sign them from anywhere if I can." Um, people start to think, is this a bit of a bit of 4D chess? Are we actually talking about this side of things and occupying everybody's minds with this whilst under the under the table we're actually going after someone else from a completely different league, perhaps? Um, any truth in, in getting Ruben Evers? And would you, given our situation, would you actually, would you take him in January, bring him in? I would take him if if he was interested in coming and we were interested in him, but I think you can tell with Newcastle these days pretty quickly who we're interested in, who we're not. Generally, we don't leak to the media the players that we're interested in. It's only that last maybe one or two days before a bid either gets accepted or it's basically done that that name comes out. So anytime there's a name that's been in the press for months and months and months linking linking them to us, it sounds like it's Asian talk. And obviously our name gets bandied about around transfer window time these days all the time now. So... I didn't really think that was a credible link, but I did find it curious that Ashworth did bring this up a couple of weeks ago. And I think he sort of put it on the agenda with this upcoming vote happening. And that, that may have helped us get spread the awareness about what was, what was happening. And some clubs may have just gone with the majority and said, who cares? So I think it was shrewd by, by Ashworth to, to put it out there. But I, I think there's going to be players from the Saudi league that we're, we're interested in, but definitely not the ones in the press. That's just not how we operate these days. Yeah. Um, interesting that Man United didn't sign up to that, but I guess Jim Ratcliffe hasn't quite ratified his purchase of how many shares and, and his sport and control yeah. of that club. Uh, obviously, he owns Nice, so he owns a part of it or controls part of it, whatever that might be. So um, this might have affected them as well. Um, but look, we'll move on. So it's hilarious, by the way. So that means in January, we can we can basically sign Neves if you want to. The, actually, what I've seen in the press is that 
he isn't that interested in coming over here. We're not interested uh, in him. I, I think I think the yeah, the talk yesterday, I think I read in the athletic they were saying that he's not on our list for, for this up, upcoming window. So that's a complete made up story by, by an agent. So I'm sure there is players in the Saudi League who we are interested in, but that won't be that won't be known until hopefully we, we get them on board. It's a bit of a red heron, you think? I mean, God knows we yep. need some extra players though, because we are yeah. we are against it. Actually, that's that's a nice little segue to move into the international roundup. Um, I just wanted to quickly cover this because we had a bunch of players off away on third or, or whatever it is international break already in this in this season. It can't be third, can it? Must be what it feels like a third. It is. No, it is. Is it really? Well, so um, Fab Shaw, um, he didn't play in the first game like he was meant to, and he didn't play at all in the second game either, even though he was on the bench. Yeah. So that kind of feels like a complete waste of bloody time, him getting called up, going over there um, into Romania, and uh, I forget what the other one was, and basically doing nothing. Like he could have just sat at home and rested and done a bit of light training or something. But no, no, he had to fly around, do all that intensive training probably, and then do nothing at the end of it. Uh, Kieran Trippier played 90 minutes to start with and then had that curious um, family issue that he came back home too and so missed the second game did we ever find out what that was has that just been kept kept mum on that it's one? been kept it's been kept quiet but he's been training they've been they've been saying he's been training at benton so it's not as if it's kept him away from the club it, it sort of kept him away from england from for whatever reason but mm. he has been training at newcastle so it, it it sounds like there's no potential risk about him in in terms of the next couple of games i mean he's he's played every game hasn't he so he he yeah. of all of our players probably He'll be right up there as someone who just desperately needs to have a bit of a bit of a break. Yeah. I would kind of hope that this family matter isn't some sort of you know mentally kind of draining situation. And and he has a bit of space to just kind of switch off for a day or two, even if it's just that, you know, it'd be better than nothing. because uh, it's not gonna be an easy game at the weekend against Chelsea by any stretch of the imagination. And we're gonna have to be on our games as much as we can be. So I'm actually quite pleased in many ways, as long as it's nothing, you know dramatic about it that he didn't play the second 90 minutes against uh north macedonia where we scraped a 1-1 england against north macedonia it was 1-1 um so please didn't get involved in that bloody game uh tino livermento he played 90 minutes and then 45 so that's not too bad because he probably needs minutes so happy about that bruno i couldn't work this out so bruno played played the first game he played the full 90 and then i, I know he came off as a sub on this in the second game and I will touch on the drama in that game in just a second, but uh, <laughs> you're shaking your head already. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how many game, uh, how many minutes he played in that second game, but he did play in that game to some extent. So he's yep. probably not had any rest whatsoever, uh, except the fact, of course, he came off a ban. So he's, I don't know. Maybe we can look at this as a bit of a getting back up to match speed following his one week layoff, perhaps. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see how his how his ankles are holding up. Um, Lewis Hall did 90 plus 30. Emil Kraft did 30 and then 90. So Emil Kraft must be well on the way to um, to full fitness by this point. Um, I'm not Can sure. Can he play striker? Mate, stick him anywhere. We've got gaps everywhere. Just bomb him <laughs> in and see what see what he can do. Who knows? Um, Maybe he can. He can cover pulp. I don't care where he goes because uh, I think uh, when he came on that game a few weeks ago, he looked really good. Um, and he and he, if he can pick up where he left off, uh, you know, he, he's completely changed around his his career at Newcastle. Like yeah. he was the butt of everybody's joke. Um, not me though, because I saw him as a, as a quality player, and I never once said anything bad about him. 
Um, don't go back to the videos, anybody, because you'll see that's a complete lie. Um, but uh, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been in front of the queue of the guys who have noticed how much better he's got since Eddie Howes came in, and he actually looks like a decent international player now. And um, it'd be nice to see him get a bit of time for Newcastle. Uh, you'd imagine he'll get that chance. Um, and then, so that's basically all the players I could find that are usually in and around the first team. Let's just touch on that <laughs> that game, the Argentina against. Brazil. Now, Demi, I imagine you've got some choice opinions on this one. Uh, you're not known for sitting on the fence. So the, basically, <laughs> just, to, just to cover what happened is, Joe Linton is essentially skinning about four players. Uh, one of them is Rodrigo de Paul, and he's grabbing them all over. The, he's got his two hands on Joe Linton's arm as he's trying to get away with the ball. Um, Joe Linton finally kind of wrestles away, turns around, Shoves him in the midriffs, like chest area at best, with his forearm. Um, Rodrigo falls to the ground, does about 14 pirouettes, rise in pain. The referee gives a straight red card, so Julian gets a, a very red quick card. red card, very yep. quick one too. And from from what I've from what I've read, VAR looked at that and said, "Yeah, that's fine." Now I might be wrong on that particular point of VAR, but I did see that somewhere that they looked at it and, and thought that. He tried to punch him in the face or something, which is absolutely hysterical. If you actually managed to watch the replay, it is absurd. An absolute uh, quintessential, I'd say, South American <laughs> bit of football action where 95% is rolling around on the ground and 5% is absolute magic. Um, how did you see that one, Dimmy? It was never it was never a red card, was it? How am I? No. Uh, and the whole game, to be fair, and, and obviously people probably who are watching this would have seen what happened pre-game. It was a it was a shambles in the stands and the game was delayed a while. And when the game kicked off, it, it just turned into virtually a kicking match and there was fouls every 10 seconds. And Rodrigo de Paul was virtually in and around every single incident in that game. I mean, he got two other Brazilian players yellow carded by rolling around and copping a, a slight elbow slash push to the to the chest. So he was he has form doing that, but his his main role in that Argentinian team is to be a, an instigator and a a bit of a bully and sort of a bodyguard for Messi. So he that that's his role in the team. He doesn't do much in terms of playing football, but he's very good at that other extracurricular activities. But that Joe Linton incident, I mean, Joe Linton's a big boy, and if he wanted to hit him, he could have hit him, and he he would have knocked him out if he wanted to hit him. But he was he was just trying to get him off him because Depaul was was sort of bringing him down. And at that point in the game, it was about twenty minutes to go, and the ref sort of. He had, he'd booked a few plays and he'd called countless fouls, but he hadn't given a red card yet. And I think he was he was wanting to sort of stamp his authority 70 minutes into the game, the the, the clown. But Stupid. poor Joe Linton was the one who he only been on the pitch for about 10 minutes and found himself sent off. But yeah, de it definitely wasn't a red card. But I, I think it's actually a blessing that he did come off because Joe Linton, we know, can get white line fever at the best of times. And with Brazil being one nil down against Argentina, their big rivals at the Maracanã, I think that could have very easily kicked off to something a lot worse, where either his legs were broken or he would have done something stupid <laughs> that, um, that could have escalated the situation. So better off he got out of there and 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 didn't yeah. get injured or or uh, anything like that. Yeah, I'm not actually sure how much he played in the first game either, but obviously he's not played an awful lot. He didn't in the come off game. the bench. He didn't come off the bench the first game. Great. The problem is, of course, it's a long haul flight to South America to sit around yeah. and do very little. Could have done yeah. without that, man. Honestly, we just don't need that kind of stuff right now. I know Joe's been injured a little bit and 
I don't know, he hasn't he hasn't played all that many minutes, but for God's sake, come on, man. Uh, it was it was a ridiculous record. That red card doesn't leak into the Premier League anyway, so it's not like it's gonna be a nah. a ban in, in in the league because that would be the biggest farce, but probably in line with how our luck's been going this season, frankly, with all the injuries and everything else. <laughs> um I only wanted to go through all that list anyway, because it's gonna feed in a little bit into what we see in the Newcastle team against Chelsea. So let's just move on to that. Um Flying through this podcast, a little bite-sized podcast for you today. Um, St. James's Park, this Saturday, a classic 3 p.m. kickoff, not on TV anywhere except over here in Australia and probably anywhere else. That isn't England or United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Um, Newcastle's injury list is still pretty substantial. There are chances that Miggy and Isaac could return. Uh, Bruno, of course, assuming he's getting through those two games for Brazil, and his ankles haven't exploded into a thousand shards. Uh, he should be back and able to play, which is probably just as well because it sounds like Longy isn't going to make it and he's going to be off for a sustained amount of time due to some ankle trouble. Um, I also heard a whisper that Barnes, I heard a whisper, it was basically Craig who told me, that Barnes um, might be close as well, but I haven't actually seen anything official on that. Uh, and then, of course, Trips and Fab Shaw should be okay as well, assuming they've came through their international duty um, without any scratches too. So you know, it, it seems to me that we're in that state now where we we get all these injuries and then we have people coming back from injuries and it's just like a, a swap. Like So you, you get people going crocked to go, all right, well, this guy's just come back. Let's shove him in. All right, he's gone down. Well, l- luckily the other guys just came back, so get him again. And then it's, you know, you never see, you never seem to have that sort of squad depth at the minute. It's it's just about replacing like for like every, t- every chance you get. Uh, unless you're playing Gordon as a striker or something. But um, I think it's good news that Miggy will be all right because that, that looked a little bit suspicious. If Isaac makes it back, that'll be huge for us because, yeah, Gordon, I love the guy and I think he could be the stri- a fill-in striker, but he's not an Isaac striker. Um, let's have a look at the team. Well, let's talk about the team that you have predicted for this one, Dimi, or let's say the team that you'd like to see. We obviously yeah. don't have all the injury information. Pope at the back, it would be Trips at left back. Shaw, uh, Lascelles, and Tino at right back. Jolinton, Bruno, and Willock in the middle. Golden left, Miggy right, Isaac up top. Um, that's not, on paper, a terrible team either. That's not that far off from a, from a pretty good Newcastle team. That, I mean, there's no real obvious weaknesses in there that you can sort of call out Tino, maybe it's because he's a little bit inexperienced in this Newcastle team. And Lascelles, your best mate at centre-back, who's been doing a good job. But um, yeah, how do you what, yes. do you what do you reckon? What do you reckon about this this injury situation and where and where we might be with these these return returning players, and just how big would it be for having uh, Isaac back though? Yeah, Isaac, Isaac will be huge. I mean, he's he's world class, and we don't have anything like him. And I mean, we've only got two strikers in the squad, and Wilson's going to be out for probably a, another month. So his Isaac's return is is vital, but it, it's going to be a massive call, I think, for Eddie on the weekend because. It's not just the the Chelsea game he's going to be thinking about because we've got Paris on Wednesday morning our time, Tuesday night over in 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 France. We've we've then got Manchester United on next weekend, so we've got three games in seven days. With with these guys coming back from international duty plus the injury, there's no way that your Isaacs and your Miggies are going to be able to play three games in seven days. So the the question is going to be which game Eddie's going to prioritize or how he's going to attack it. I, I would say that the Chelsea home game, being that 
being that it's a home game and we're going to be not having to travel, I, I think he'd probably play the strongest team, which is why I've said Isaac and Miggy start in this game. I don't think they're going to be playing 90 minutes. They'll probably play 55 an hour maybe and then and then come off to, to protect them for not only the Paris game but the, the Manchester United game. So it's very interesting we we can't we can't be rushing i mean we're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place we we need isaac back we need miggy back but we also can't rush them back because if they get injured again our, our squad is just completely decimated and we're going to be losing more games than than not just the last one against bournemouth so i i hope that eddie prioritizes this chelsea game first half because it's probably going to be an important way for us to start back again this stretch to get to get back into winning ways after the Bournemouth game to lead into the Champions League game with a bit of momentum. I think it's important we get a good result against Chelsea. So I'm hoping that Isaac can give us an hour and, and an hour of Isaac may be able to get the job done. Fingers crossed it on the weekend. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who could make a subs bench for this because everyone you think of as being a sub is probably knackered as well with some injury. Obviously, you'd have Richie there because he's always there. Um, we'll probably have two keepers again. Yeah, um, Miley, Miley, Lewis Hall probably. Emil Hall can't play, so Hall's. Oh no, see, can't, see can Lewis he? Hall. No, he can't. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's another one who can't play this Chelsea game, which is annoying for us. Yeah, oh, Jesus. So Kraft will be there. Paul Dummett probably, and then the, the yeah, there's going to be a few kids, isn't it? Because we'll have six fullbacks again. We'll have six fullbacks on the bench and two <laughs> keepers probably. Oh Jesus, let's play the. Um... 10 0 1 or whatever the whatever that formation would be. Um do you think we'll go in for a striker in January? Just as as an aside here, do you think we'll try and get another striker in? Absolutely. I think that a striker on loan or a, a versatile forward on loan is, is gonna be, I think, a almost a guaranteed signing. I think there's there's gonna be plenty of players who who need game time coming up to the Euros in in mid year, Euro twenty twenty four. So I think there'll be an opportunity for us to sort of get someone who who needs some game time, who who's a striker, who's happy to whether they play third field or not, but they could be playing on the left wing or the right wing as well. I, I think that's the sort of player we need to target, and we just can't expect Gordon to be playing ninety minutes week in week out. One week he's left wing, next week he's striker. We're going to kill that kid as well. So <laughs> it's a it's a massive period for us before Christmas and before the New Year's before we can get players in. But I, I think a striker, or if not a uh, and now, now at number nine, a, a versatile forward, someone who can play across the front line, I think is going to be completely necessary. Because the issue we've got at the moment is many, many of the top clubs have got youth academies or they've got reserves who all these young kids who are capable of stepping up and playing in the in the first team. We don't have basically any young kids who are capable of stepping up except young Miley, who's been who's been fantastic. I don't think any of the other kids who we've got in the 18s or the 21s are, are ready to play. Because if they were, they would have been playing already and Eddie wouldn't be busting his chops to try and get Matt Ritchie playing and and, and all these other part players. So I, I think we need to get some more depth up front. And whether that's, as I said, a versatile forward more so than number nine, I think will be absolutely necessary. It'll be interesting to see if, if there's any truth in those Hugo Ekatiki Rumors that seem to be doing around. It's an easy story to come Apparently up with. Apparently not. Like, Apparently it's not true. It's not true. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it felt a bit like bridges were burned there, but, you know, pragmatism has to come into this at some point, given how dire our situation is. 
Um, but you know, maybe someone just go to Saudi Arabia, can't stop us. They've got any good strikers over there. <laughs> they've got oh well, they've got one that everybody knows, but I don't want him anywhere near our club. But uh the the Ronaldo. fake Ronaldo, like I called him, he had a fake one. We don't want him, but uh no, there's plenty of other players. Karen Benzema, I'd take him for six months, but oh, there I'm you not go. sure he'd be keen. I, I'm not sure he'd be keen on coming to to the Premier League. But there's there's plenty of players. I mean, PIF own four clubs in Saudi, so if we do the maths, four times squads of about 15, 15 to 20 who would be capable of making the step up, there's got to be a couple of players there who we could be interested in. So let, let's hope we can get one in on a sneaky loan just to just to mm. rub it into the uh, other Premier League clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring ASM back. Let's uh, <laughs> not. You'll just get, you'll just get I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be um, poo-pooing that idea too. I'm not sure if there's a rule that he, he's allowed, not allowed to play for us again. But um, I, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past a, an ASM loan. Yeah. No. Well, let's let's quickly. That'd be hilarious. Let's let's quickly touch on the Chelsea team um, just to kind of give some context to this. Uh, they've had a bit of a mixed bag. They, they are the very definition of a average results team this season so far. Uh, they drew with Liverpool, uh, Arsenal. Draw with City 4-4, and they drew nil then with Bournemouth. They lost to West Ham, to Forest, surprisingly, but that was early in the season. They lost to Villa, and they lost to Brentford as well, not, not that long ago, 2-0 uh, at home as well. And then they've won against uh, Luton, uh, Fulham, Spurs in that absolutely ridiculous game. And I feel like I'm missing another one, but I don't know which one it is. But uh, anyway, so they've played 12, as everyone else has. They've won four, drawn four. And lost four. That last game against City 4-4. Um, following that 4-1 be, uh, beating of Spurs when they were down to nine men. And, um, you know, so there's two decent wins there. Eight goals scored. Uh, the team against Man City was Sanchez, James, Dezazi, uh, Thiago Silva, Cucarella, Caicedo, Fernandez, Palmer, Gallagher, Sterling and Jackson. And uh, thanks to Poch there for giving me names that I can actually pronounce um it was always going to be the case with chelsea wasn't it that especially with potch in charge and they were always going to probably always going to probably they were always going to turn it around at some point this season they've got the quality manager in they've got they've just got too much quality in that team haven't they they're, they're, i mean i know they're in 10th place right now in the middle of the table but they're and i know they've done four wins four draws and four losses but are you like me do you feel like they're starting to turn the corner a little bit and starting to um you're shaking your head there. So I get the feeling that they're starting to put results together and starting to get the wins and they're starting to look like an actual team that knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've come off a very low base. I mean, True. last season they could barely they could barely score a goal and even at the start of this year they, they look terrible. So they're coming off a low base, but you're right, they, they've spent a gazillion dollars. So law of averages says eventually some of these players are going to come good just by their sheer quality. So And, and Pochettino is a good manager, so... They are definitely an improved team, and it's it's going to be a tough game this weekend. They are a strange team, though, because, I mean, you mentioned that 4-1 Tottenham game. I mean, Tottenham were, like you said, down to nine men and sort of playing a suicidal high line like Ange likes to normally do. So it, was, it wasn't it was a real a real 4-1 game. That, and that Man City game was just an absolute shambles from, from both teams. I mean, the defensive errors on both sides was, was ridiculous. So it, it, for me, Chelsea's a team who... And they're, they're not the team you want to play because they're very unpredictable. They they, mm. they could put three or four goals on you or they could look like they're never going to score in, 
in three or four games. It's it's one of those teams that I think mentally they're, they're, they're a little bit fragile still and they've got players in that team who on paper probably should be playing better than they are, the likes of Casado and, and Enzo Fernandez. I mean, they've spent $230, $40 million right there on, on those two midfielders. So they – and dollar values alone, they should be – two of the better midfielders in the Premier League. I mean, they've been getting better as of late, but they haven't been dominating games. So there's de- there's definitely an opportunity for us to to dictate this game. And despite their last couple of results, there's, there's, they're not a team that I think we should be backing off against. I think they're a team you take the game to, and I think there's some fragility there that we can we can expose. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really Cucurella at all in this Chelsea team. Nah. Um, he was excellent in Brighton, but, you know, different system. Not in the back four. Yeah, he, he's playing. No, he, he's playing left. He's playing left back of a back four, and he's never been, even even back at in Spain, where he was playing playing at Barcelona and then playing it at um, Getafe or Espanyol, where he was. He was playing as a as a wing back and attacker. He was never playing as a left back in a back four. So that is definitely one that we should be circling as a as a defensive liability. And and yeah, you're right. He's he just hasn't reached the heights of his price tag since leaving Brighton. Yeah, and they've got that new striker Jackson, who um, yeah. I think he started off looking pretty tasty, and then he kind of went hot and cold. And I'm not really sure what to, what to make of him now. I had him in my fantasy team to start with. I was like, oh, I'm being really clever here. I've seen him in the Premier League and uh, Premier League America, and look, he looked yeah, he's pretty he's rapid, hot. he's very quick. Yeah, he he's looked very really quick. good. He, he, he was beating us on the run quite uh, quite easily when we played them. Um, I was like, I'll stick him in, and he did terrible. And then I took him out, and he did well. So you know, everyone who has him still, you're welcome. Uh, then we've got Conor Gallagher, who I I used to think was brilliant when he was on that loan to Palace, and I just yeah, I still don't see him as a Chelsea player. I don't know what it is about him, but I just I don't know if he's too ponderous. I don't know if he's not flash enough. I don't know what it is about him. I know Craig absolutely loves him, and, and you probably do a great job for Newcastle, um, but it's just something about that. Conor Gallagher, maybe it's his position. I'm not sure what it is, but he just doesn't click in that team for me. Um, Cole Palmer, the new kid that they've just brought through, Poch has brought through. He's looking very tasty. Um, From Man City. Yeah. Um, Raheem Sterling, who I've always rated, but for some reason he gets a bad press, but I've always thought he's an absolutely brilliant player uh, when he's on his on his game. Um, so he's he'll be a danger. Uh, he knows how to get around fullbacks and all that kind of thing. So there's a lot of quality in there. And obviously they've got Various people on the bench, uh, Gusto, Boyer, uh, Mudrick, players who they can bring on and, and make a difference to the team. So um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to be our best still, even if we are at home, to um, to get something out of this game. Just before we get to our little predictions and wrap this thing up, so I just said that before Chelsea are in 10th, they're actually on 16 points uh, with a goal difference of five. So it doesn't seem too bad, really. Newcastle currently in 7th. Uh, points on 20, and we've got a goal difference of 14. So goal difference seems to be a di- taking a little bit of a hammering lately, but um, 20 points, only four points clear of Chelsea. Man United have snuck above us in 21 points, even though they somehow still feel like a shit team. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. They're doing it again. They did it last season. They're doing it again this season. God almighty. Um, let's move on to the predictions. And Demi, what do you uh, what do you see this game doing? What do you uh, what do you expect the score to be? And do you want to chance your hand at uh, who might score for... For Newcastle, if you got us down for a win, anyway. I do have a stand for a win. I've I've got a stand for a two 0 victory, and mm. I've got Joe Willock scoring the first goal as he did last year in that last game before the World Cup when he scored that cracker at the Gallagher end. 
I've got Joe Willick scoring his his uh, the first goal, and I've got the second goal scored by my boy Jamal Lascelles off a set piece. I think he's due. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. he he always for me is is one of the more dangerous uh, dangerous players we've got on a set piece, and we, with Trips putting the crosses in against Thiago Silva, who for me is five years past retirement date. I think. Uh, Jamal Lassell is going to score a second-half header to seal the victory. That's going to depend a lot on whether or not Kieran, Di- uh, Kieran Dyer, bloody hell, Kieran Trippier can uh, cool. get the ball. I don't want Kieran Dyer. <laughs> In his wheelchair. You can get, uh, if, if Kieran Trippier can get the ball over the first man, because, you know, you don't know, you know, sometimes you don't know how his set pieces are going to go. Um, oh, I don't want to say a, de- a defeat now, but I don't see us winning this game. I think we've got too many injuries, and I think, uh, God... I mean, I'd almost I'd almost think it's a win if we get through this without any more injuries. That's how bad it is right now. Like if we can get this game without losing somebody else, I'd be like, oh, I'll take that as a moral victory anyway. I've got us down for a loss. So I think we'll lose this. Um, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a positive outlook. I'm going to go for a three nil loss. Um, three nil, but it could it could just as easily be a one nil. But you know, if if the likes of uh, Jackson and Sterling and Cole Palmer are up for it. Um, I think they'll make us struggle quite a lot, um, and I. So judging, so judging by your prediction, you'd you'd almost tank this game and 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 plan for Champions League, or what? What would you? What would no, you no, do with it? I just don't think we'll win it. <laughs> I just don't think we'll win this game. I don't think we'll win PSG, and I I wouldn't be at all surprised if we lose against Man United either. Um, oh, I just, this is this is where you've come, everybody. If you've come to listen to some positive Newcastle fans, <laughs> this is exactly where you should be. Hard talk, buddy. Uh, I just don't. I just. I don't think we're in a good place right now. I don't think we were getting the results. Um, I think that's we beat Arsenal, of... mate. We beat Arsenal two uh, one did. one game before the Bournemouth game. Arsenal, Arsenal. Um, yeah, that's the one. I know, I know we did, mate. But um, I just and that was and and that took a lot out of us. That game took an awful lot out of us. And then we went to Dortmund and didn't do very well. Um, and then we got beat by bloody Bournemouth. So we've had a rest, yes, but a lot of our key players haven't. And I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be wrong, um, but I really am, mate. I'm really. Oh yeah, well, yes, well, <laughs> really wrong. Well, let's let, let's not go there. But there's going to be there, there is documentary evidence of Show how proof. poor Show your predictions are. Where's the spreadsheet? Show me the proof. Anyway, look, mate. That'll do for our pretty brief <laughs> um, preview of Chelsea plus one two with the little things and and. Um, Fingers crossed we get a win out this game because that would be really nice going into the uh, Champions League away to PSG, which won't be easy. And then, of course, my United the week after. But um, we will see you next time. See you. We'll see everyone next time for the uh, review of the Chelsea game, which should come out on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that. And until then, um, look after yourselves and uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers, Demi. Cheers, mate.